Thanks for joining us for another Grazia Life Advice. This is where women worth listening to give their six best tips for life. And we'll also hear at the end of the show one piece of advice they regret ever listening to. This time, I'm excited to bring you someone who burst into our Saturday nights on X Factor 2014, bagging an iTunes number one with her version of Uptown Funk before the series even finished. Hey, I'm Fleur East. I'm a singer-songwriter and presenter, and I'm on the Grazia Life Advice podcast. Alongside her successful pop career, Fleur East has appeared on I'm a Celebrity and is the breakfast presenter of Hits Radio. She also presents the Reality of Reality TV podcast. Despite the 4am starts, she is a fantastic ball of energy. Coming up, how lucky Fleur feels to be leading her celebrity lifestyle. You know, I'm from Walthamstow, he's 17. (laughs) You know, even now I'll go to a red carpet event and I'll then go around my mate's house like the next day and go, oh, is that this red carpet thing? And it's so crazy when you go there, you see all these celebs and it's almost like I'm, I'm in that world, but then I've still got one foot in the real world. So I'm always experiencing it. Like I'm looking in. We hear how her best advice and her positive attitude comes from one legendary source. That is my mother, Irene. (laughs) She is honestly a fountain of wisdom. Even on um, my breakfast show on Hits, we do a Monday motivation feature with my mum. She's just amazing. She's my positive ray of sunshine. And she tells us it takes much more than just talent to succeed on a talent show. Take The X Factor, for example. Mm. If I went into that competition and said, oh yeah, yeah, I can sing, it'll be fine. There's no way I would have made it through Mm. to that final. There's no way I had to really, really graft and make sure my performance was 100% and make sure that I was giving everything every single week because ultimately I did know that there were better singers than me. I had a great time talking to Fleur and I hope you enjoy listening. Hi Fleur, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, good. And we were just saying you have been up since what time this morning? Since half four <laughs> this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're feeling a bit rough this morning because your kid woke up at like six or whatever, Fleur has, you know, Fleur has one over on you basically. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> And I should say you get up that early because you are the presenter of the Hits Radio breakfast show, right? Yes, exactly. So it means early mornings, five days a week. I've been doing it for over a year, but my body clock still is not used to that rude awakening in the middle of the night. It's not cool. And can I ask, because I'm always obsessed, what do you do? Do you go to bed early? Can you sleep early? How do you make it work? So I've always been a night owl. This Mm. is the problem you know, so I thrive in the nighttime. Mm. So initially, I think in the first six months, I was trying to do it all. I was staying out late. I was waking up early, sometimes not even sleeping at all. And then just like catching up on my sleep on the weekend. But now it's caught up with me. So now I'm um, trying to go to bed at like nine o'clock. Okay. Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm quite a late person. And that, yeah, I just think I'll be lying there at nine, like, okay, six hours to go, five hours (laughs) to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you also have this amazing podcast, The Reality of Reality TV. Mouthful, Reality of Reality TV. So tell me what that's about if people haven't heard it before. I mean, it's basically all about the world of reality TV from, mm. from the people that have experienced it themselves. So I've spoken to a whole variety of people. I've spoken to like yeah. Vicky Patterson, Harry Redknapp, the Vivian from RuPaul's Drag Race. Our last guest we had on the final episode of this series was Kerry Katona. I mean, I the queen her. of reality TV. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just discussed the highs and the lows of that world. Um, 
sort of give advice to the younger generation who mm. have this now desire to be famous or feel that maybe taking part in a reality show is like a shortcut to a successful career. But I feel like there's a duty to educate people and to let them know that it is very difficult and it doesn't always go the way you think. And mm. so we've had some really serious chats. We cover some very serious issues, but then we also laugh about all of the experiences and, and the things they don't tell you about reality shows from behind the scenes. Yeah, so it's been really fun to do. When you're listening and talking to people, are there things that surprise you or do you think you've heard it all when it comes to reality TV? There's some things that surprise me because I've only done like competition reality. So for example, mm-hmm. um, The X Factor. So obviously I did that because I sing, not necessarily because I wanted to take part in a reality show. First yeah. and foremost, it was because I wanted to be a singer. And then I'm a celebrity is different again because you go into it as a celebrity mm-hmm. and then you're competing for something. So I've never really done a reality show where it's just about my everyday life. Mm-hmm. So when I spoke to people about that area of things, I was fascinated mm-hmm. about how they film it, how they set up kind of the bump-ins, like on things like TOWIE. And, yes. You know, what it's like just having a camera on you in your house, things like that. I've never had that before. So that was exciting. And now you spoke to those people, would you ever do it? Is there going to be a life of Fleur on ITVB or? I don't think so. No. (laughs) Not in a hurry anyway, not in a hurry. I kind of like I've been able to do a show and then come home, close the door and I can just do my thing and no one's no one's watching me. Yeah, absolutely. There is one show that I know you are going to do, and it's not a strict reality show, but you're going to do this show, Don't Rock the Boat, right? Yes. (laughs) I hadn't heard of this until uh, I was preparing for this interview today. Can you tell people what it is? It sounds a lot of work. So if you haven't gathered thus far, I love a challenge. Mm. I was approached by ITV to take part in this new show, Obviously, we're in the middle of a global pandemic and most of us have been at home or working from home or not doing very much at all. Mm. So when I got approached to do this, I thought, "Mm, okay, first and foremost, it'll get me out of the house and um, bring me some excitement in my life. And then I found out it was a competition. But not only that, it involved two teams of six rowing from the south of the UK to the north of the UK. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... It's one way to steer clear of lots of people during a pandemic, I guess. But <laughs> I mean, yeah. it sounds awful and it was as awful as it sounds, to be honest. But I love taking on a new skill and I thought I'm never going to row in any other scenario. And so I just, yeah, I just grabbed the challenge and I just uh, went for it. And it was an incredible experience, but you're all going to see it. It'll be out um, in November on ITV2. ITV, actually. And I'm sure the show will cover that, but how do you prepare? Was it just, were you just on a rowing machine most of lockdown? Well, to tell you the truth, I think I was one of the last to agree to do the show. So I think I had a rowing machine in my garden um, for like three days. I think I rowed on it once. And then we had training for five days and then straight in the boat. But you're quite you're quite fit anyway, right? You you're quite into your fitness. Yeah, but I mean, fitness in the gym and then getting in a boat are two completely different things. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair enough. So I think our first piece of advice can be: don't take on a reality show rowing a boat without any training. But we should move into your your full advice that you've sent us. So if we could start with your first piece of advice, um, can you take me through that? Yeah, okay, so I am a sucker for a quote. That's the first thing I should say. I love a quote. Perfect. I follow quote 
pages on Instagram are just absolutely, I'm obsessed with proverbs and everything like that. Um, (laughs) And I heard this one from a cab driver one day and I was like, that is brilliant. And um, he said to me, you can make money alone, but you can't spend it alone. Yeah. I mean, they're full of, they're full of wise words, (laughs) cab drivers, aren't they? Whether you want to hear them or (laughs) not. (laughs) And I just love that because I've always said that, you know, you can work hard, you can get all this success, you can have all the wealth in the world, but if you have no one to share it with, I mean, it's pretty lonely having all of that success and just benefiting from it on your own. So is it about not putting ambition before people and making sure that you don't end up in that lonely exactly. position? Exactly. And I feel like sometimes we get caught up in chasing a dream and we mm. focus too much on that. And sometimes you can cut off relationships. Mm. You can forget who you are in doing that. You can become too competitive. You start to compare yourself with mm. others. You keep chasing material things. And then in the end, you find yourself at the top with no one else <laughs> around you. So um, my parents always taught me to be very grounded. And so when I heard that piece of advice, I was like, yeah, that's it. So there's no skyrocket to fame like the one when you're involved in the X Factor. So did you have that kind of experience or or did you always have people around you? I think for me, things kind of took off at an age where, you know, I'd grown up in my area, had all my friends, been to school, been to university. Like, you know, I was kind of grounded in that area and then, when the X Factor mm. came along, I was 26. Mm. I kind of knew what I was getting myself into and all my friends were there for the ride and there were people that I'd known yeah. 10 years plus. So by that time, although it was a shocker, I don't know, I didn't really fall into the, the glitz and the glamour of it all. I wasn't phased by that side of things. Mm. And I had all my friends to enjoy it with me. So we were all kind of seeing it, you know, happen together rather than me just experiencing it on my own. So... Yeah, it was incredible to have them. Yeah, and I bet amazing to go through an experience and be able to share it with people as well, like, you know, and being able to go to those parties and actually enjoy it with people you want to be with, I take it. Yeah, exactly. Because I didn't come from that world. You know, I'm from Walthamstow, East 17. You know, (laughs) even now I'll go to a red carpet event and I'll then go around my mate's house like the next day and go, oh, is that this red carpet thing? And it's so crazy when you go there, you see all these celebs. And it's almost like I'm, I'm in that world, but then... I've still got one foot in the real world. So I'm always experiencing it like I'm looking in. You must feel super lucky to be able to have that balance, I guess. Definitely. Because I speak to a lot of people and particularly even doing my podcast and talking to everyone who's only ever experienced reality TV or only really been in that world. And there's so much that they didn't really get to experience. And there's so much privacy that they've lost and things they've had to sacrifice so yeah, I am grateful for that. I think especially this Love Island generation of kids as well, because they're kids, so it makes me sound 100 years old, but some of them are <laughs> so young and they're just putting all their lives and their feelings, everything, their bodies, everything out there. Yeah, because even I remember I did X Factor for the first time when I was 16 in a group before I did it in 2014. And and I remember then just being swept up in it all. And, and now looking back, I'm so glad that it didn't happen for me then. Because I was just so green, so naive. Like I didn't know what any of the industry meant or any of the dangers or anything like that. So yeah, I'm really, really glad that it happened when it did. Yeah. Your second piece of advice is that no position in life is permanent. So who told you that? (laughs) That is my mother, Irene. (laughs) She is honestly a fountain of wisdom. It's funny, so much so that even on um, my breakfast show on Hits, 
we do a Monday motivation feature with my mum. She's just amazing. And um, as she would put it, no position in life is permanent. Okay. Which means basically never get too comfortable in any situation you're in. Mm. Don't take it for granted. Always kind of cherish every moment and every situation that you find yourself in. But also, I think it reminds me that you've got to treat everybody equally. It doesn't really matter what position you are in compared to them because life has a funny way of turning things around. And one day you could be the manager of someone and treat them terribly. And then you never know, fast forward years later, they're the manager of you or they're in a position where they can give you an opportunity and they'll remember how you treated them. Mm. So I think just always bear in mind that, you know, nothing is guaranteed, nothing's here, like forever. So just, Mm. yeah, just enjoy it. Just treat people as you'd want to be treated and enjoy it all. And positive as well, I guess, if you're not in a position you want to be in, that things are going to change and can get better as well. Exactly. My mum always lives by that. She's like, it's fine. We'll get there. Don't worry. One day you'll get there. She's my positive ray of sunshine. She's amazing. Do you think that's where your love of uh, quotes and proverbs came from? Is she heavy on dishing them out? Yes, she loves them. And she has remixes as well of of, um, popular sayings. So for example, uh, what goes around comes around. My mum's version is, if you bounce a ball to a wall, it comes back to you. Okay. She's got all these different versions. (laughs) Her own personal Irene spin. I love it. Yeah. Has she ever been offered a book deal, for instance? (laughs) I mean, I think she's well on her way. It will happen one day. <laughs> All jokes aside, do you turn to her for advice a lot? Is it her that you turn to if you want some guidance? Definitely. Yeah, always. If I'm struggling with something or I feel like something's out of my grasp or, I don't know, just losing a little bit of hope, I'll just have a conversation with my mum and she'll just reset, reset that positivity button. Yeah. Great force to have in your life. Your third piece of advice really got me thinking. I love, I have heard this before, but I love it. If you could just share it with us. I love this one too. Eat food like medicine before having to eat medicine like food. So explain, expand and explain. Essentially, you are what you eat. So anything that you put in your system has to be considered. I mean, we all love a treat or like a bad trashy meal, like a like a pizza or a takeaway or whatever on a Saturday night. And I don't think we should deprive ourselves of those things, but I also think that we should just be conscious of what we're eating because it does contribute to our health and health is wealth. There's another one for you. But also I remember watching um, What the Health years ago, this documentary about the meat industry and dairy and the day after I was vegan for a whole year. Really? Yeah. And and I felt amazing. It was when I just turned 30 as well. And I kind of went through this period. I don't know. I guess everyone kind of goes through this when you, you turn 30. You're like, okay, I'm going to be, you know, this new woman. I'm going to start thinking about what I put into my body and all this stuff. And I was being kinder to myself. And when I was a vegan for a year, I was just, I felt incredible. And I was really thinking about what I was eating and just being a bit more thoughtful about what I was putting into my body. And then even after that, I'm not a vegan anymore, but I still now don't have any dairy products at home. I still have like plant-based milk. I don't really eat meat as much as I did. And I think once you, as you say, you went through that and you actually felt it in your body and it's once you've experienced a bit of time, you know, and 
not many of us have at the moment, but had a few weeks off alcohol or not in dairy, you don't sometimes realise that you're you're feeling suppressed by things, do you? Yeah, you don't. It's funny because I remember as soon as I took on the plant-based diet, I had so much energy. I didn't feel sluggish at all. My hair was amazing. My skin was amazing. I was like, well, okay, I'm seeing the benefits firsthand. So I knew that it had a direct correlation. But tough to keep up the veganism, I think. And it is a lot about like the effort that you have, the time you have and things like that, isn't it? It is hard. But you know what? I think my Achilles heel is just, you know, having a mum who's from Ghana, West Africa, and a lot of the food is meat-based and you have like fried chicken and like these meat stews and beef stews and (laughs) it's hard to keep away from that amazing we'll be back with more from Fleur after this we're here with Fleur East and just go straight ahead and share your fourth piece of advice with us okay hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard this is one of my life mottos I say it to everyone who asks me for advice if they're coming up in the music industry I always say that to them because I just think it's so true like talent isn't enough it's never enough you can't just be like oh I'm I'm talented I'm a good singer I'm gonna make it I'm a good actor I'm gonna make it I'm a good dancer surely it's gonna happen you need to work hard because there's so many people that are fighting for that position and especially in the music industry for example it's so competitive you know there's always someone looking at you looking at your position and going all right I'm coming for that spot or you know I need to make my mark And we've seen it so many times. There's so many, I mean, art's so subjective, but there's so many artists that you'll see be so successful. You think, oh, my mate down the road sings way better than her. Why is she a platinum selling artist? Or why is she doing all this? Well, because she's put herself out there and she's worked hard. And at the end of the day, when talent doesn't put in the work, someone that's working harder than you can get there. So it's really important to have the two. Yeah, I was going to say, it is about a combo of the two, isn't it? I guess you can't be a hardworking singer and be totally tone deaf. And, you know, in other areas of life, that's true as well. Yeah, there is that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You're right, it's a combination of talent and and a really solid work ethic. And do you think that's motivational? Because obviously there's this idea as well of like, well, the cream always rises to the top, so like, don't worry about it too much. But do you think it's a more positive message to know that you can achieve if you put the effort in? I think so, because as well, when you're, when you're coming up and you're trying to chase a dream or trying to reach a goal, particularly now as well in the generation of social media and seeing all these people do so well and you compare yourself, you can't help but compare mm-hmm. yourself to people. And, and I remember, you know, having that dream of wanting to be a singer and looking around me or just looking in the industry and thinking, oh, she's way better than me or he's 10 times more talented than me. Like there's no chance at all that I'm going to make it. And I remember people just advising me and saying, of course you can. You've got the talent. Mm. You just need to work hard at it, graft it and find what's unique to you and unique about your talent. Are there times in your life when you can say, I know I got this because I was working hard and I know that I wouldn't have got that if I didn't have that motivation behind me? Oh yeah. I mean, take the X Factor, for example. Mm. If I went into that competition and said, oh yeah, yeah, I can sing, it'll be fine. There's no way I would have made it through Mm. to that final. There's no way. I remember when I went into the live show and I think my odds to win were 66 to 1. Really? I can't believe that. Yeah, I wasn't even on anyone's radar. So I I really had to work like that. The X Factor was hard work for me. I had to 
really, mm. really graft and make sure my performance was 100% and make sure that I was giving everything every single week because ultimately I did know that there were better singers than me in that competition. I think that's so interesting because... I'm not saying this is the right thing, but I think a lot of people have this vision, oh, X Factor is the easy way to fame. X Factor is the easy way to get seen. And from what you're saying, obviously you don't think that's the case. I really don't. I always have this debate because I tried to make it in the industry long before I auditioned for the X Factor. So I've kind of done both routes. And I feel like when you're on the X Factor, you're you're on this huge TV show and everyone's watching you and you can't mess up and... And there's a huge risk in that if you don't do very well on a show like that, to go back into the industry and try and make it, I mean, it's, it's 10 times harder for you then. So I feel like a show like The X Factor isn't, isn't the easy way at all. No, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, you've kind of set yourself up as that person, haven't you, who was exactly. on The X Factor. Very yeah. I can tell it's obviously something that means a lot to you. It, it kind of moves into your fifth piece of advice, which again is about putting in that effort. Yeah, I, I, I that. saw this actually at the end of, um, it's a quote, another quote, that I saw at the end of a, a Jagged Edge video years ago when I was really young. Okay. It came up at the end and it said, um, anything worth having is worth working hard for. Mm-hmm. I just love that piece of advice because it just makes you think that, you know, when you're putting in the blood, sweat and tears and you're really struggling that you know that at the end of it, whatever you're working towards is going to be worth it. Because I've proved it in my life. You know, the times where I've put the most effort in and I've really, really, really grafted, at the end of it, I mean, the fruits of my labor are so sweet. And I feel like I I cherish it and value it a lot more for that reason. I feel like if things were handed to me, you know, I just take it for granted. Whereas if I've put the work in, I can look back and I can reminisce on the journey and all the steps it took. And and I, there's joy in looking back at the times where you felt that you weren't going to succeed and then looking at where you are now. Have there been times when you thought, oh, I should just give up on this, you know, oh, I've done the X Factor, I've done I've done music, you know, I've been to the Brits, I've done these great things. Do you, or is it hard to keep going the more success you have almost? Oh, it's so hard. It gets harder. No one tells you that because you think, I'm signed now, I've done it now, I'm there. And then the minute you get signed, it's like, oh, no, now you're playing with the big boys. Now you're comparing yourselves to people who've been in the industry for 10 years plus and then now you're you're counting numbers and record sales and chart positions and then once you have a successful hit or a successful project then you've got to try and match that or beat that so you're you're constantly competing then with yourself um and yeah it gets really hard there's been many times where I've just said this is too much I just wanted to do this because I love to sing and I love music I don't want to be checking the UK chart every two days (laughs) you know yeah And your sixth piece of advice, I love it because it's about working hard, but I think it's really important, especially in this kind of like Instagram times of comparison with each other. Tell us that piece of advice. Oh, this one I believe in very strongly. Work hard in silence. Let success be your noise. And so that's about not boasting, not constantly talking about what you're doing. Tell us what it means to you. I feel like this is quite funny, but I'll let you in on something. So I feel like particularly in the industry, you go to like these dinners, red carpets, all this stuff. The minute you bump into someone, immediately the first question is, so what are you up to now? What are you doing? And people feel like in that moment, oh, this is what I've gathered. People feel pressured in that moment to reel off 
their CV or tell you everything that they're doing. So, oh, yeah, I just booked this thing. Oh, yeah, I'm working on this film. It's not out yet. It's coming out in two years. Oh, when I'm also now working on a pilot for this new TV show that I'm trying to do. And then, yeah, next year I'm also doing this. And it's like, you don't need to prove yourself to me or to anyone. Just work away behind the scenes. You know, you know what you're working towards. We'll see it once it's done. You know, the proof is in the pudding. Let it just be known once you've achieved it. And I'm so like that, maybe too much like that, because I've done so many things where even my family don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Literally, it's like, I'll just be, I'll never forget, actually, I bought my first house with my husband three years ago, and I did not tell any of my family. I think I only told my sister and my mum. Oh, my God. Literally. And then I, I surprised my dad. Wow. So I got the house, got the keys, signed everything. And then I blindfolded my dad and just opened up the door and took the blindfold off. And I was like, ta-da, bought a house. And he was like, are you actually serious? And I was like, yeah. And I, was like, I didn't want you to know until the keys were in my hand yeah. and then you could see it for yourself. Now, some people might go, that is so extreme. <laughs> Yeah, But I just feel like, well, anything could fall through before then or you might get a different house or mm. you kind of stress people out as well because sometimes when people are are knowing every detail of the process, they then worry with you. Yeah. So there's always constant questions and follow-ups and I'd rather just get my head in the game, complete it and then go, this is what I've been doing and now we can talk about it. And it's smart as well because you're protecting yourself, aren't you, from expectation and criticism yes. and disappointment. Exactly. And it's the same with the X Factor, same with the jungle. Mm. A lot of my family didn't even know until it was on TV or, or the day before. <laughs> until you I came like home. <laughs> yeah, that's the way I like it. I'm like, enjoy it now. I've done the hard work. Now we can enjoy it. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. And I think we've all known people, haven't we, who, who love to say, oh, I'm busy, I'm so busy, mm -hmm. and you think... Quite often, they're the least busy people, right? Because they're spending all their time Always. telling you how busy they are. Always. Oh, my goodness. And it's like, well, if you're so busy, why have you got so much time to tell me all the <laughs> things that you're doing? And also have to say, the most annoying Instagram post possible is the whole um, working on something or will be revealed <laughs> soon. That's the worst. No, mm. I can't. I can't deal with it. Yeah. I've had to even trail things with music, but I'm just like, no, I'm only doing it if it's like a week away. <laughs> that's, that's your limit that is yeah. it because I remember waiting to release a single after sax and going to red carpets and people going so when's the next one out and me having to tell lies and go oh yeah you know something's cooking now I've been in that position I don't want to do that anymore <laughs> we always finish on the worst advice you've been given it can reveal a lot normally so tell us yours mm. I think the worst piece of advice I've ever been given is get a stable job. Uh, there's no point in trying to do music or sing. That's, you know, there's nothing stable in that career. <laughs> yeah. And did you get that a lot? And who was saying it? Have, have your family always been supportive or was it like people at school, university? Yeah, mainly teachers because they'd always ask you, oh, what do you want to do? And I'd be mm. like, oh, I'd love to be a singer. Or blah, blah. And they go, hmm. Yeah, but, you know, you need to have something else to fall back on or don't know if that's going to be solid enough. There's so many people, it's so competitive, blah, blah, blah. You know, th there was no one around me that had done the same thing, you know, from where I was from, apart from E17, big up the band. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, there weren't many examples as well around me. And to be fair to my parents, they've always supported me. But there was a time where I well, I hit a really, really low point and I was really trying to get there in the music industry. And, and there was a year where like nothing was happening. It was just before X Factor. And <laughs> my parents would drop sly hints like, oh, maybe if you considered maybe teaching English or, you know, you've got a degree in journalism, maybe do something with that now. And it was just subtle hints because I think they could see that it wasn't really happening. And although they, they wanted to encourage me, they were trying to be realistic as well. Like they didn't want to see me fail or be too hard on myself. So yeah, yeah, many people have said that to me. I think when you when you go for any career that seems a little bit out of the norm, I guess, when you say, oh, I want to be a movie star or I want to be a West End performer or whatever it is, it seems a bit too glamorous sometimes when you're, when you're starting out, doesn't it? Yeah, and how have you found recently there's been a lot of debate about, you know, the support for the arts and whether we're really supporting them as as true jobs and stuff. How have you found that? Because I think it must be hard for people who are in that position to to see the things that the government and people are saying. It's so, so difficult. That's one thing that is, ah, oh, I've, I've been so upset about it because I work with so many people behind the scenes that people don't really consider. The unsung heroes of the industry the crew members, the sound guys, the tech guys, the stage managers, the lighting manager, like all these different people, costume designers, fashion designers, vocal coaches, choreographers, dancers, all these amazing people, backing vocalists that make the shows, that give us that entertainment, those places where we go to escape from everyday life. Like It's so important for our mental health to have something that we can put on. Look at you know platforms like Netflix, all of these shows we've watched, that's people's creative juices that we're watching. Those are the fruits of all of those ideas coming to life. And to to have no support in that area, I mean, it, honestly, it breaks my heart because it's like, you know, the, the music industry alone has contributed millions and millions to the economy. And, and for them to just be just, you know, left on the side, it's just on the sidelines. It, yeah, it's it's heartbreaking, honestly. I think it's it's essential. I feel like we need we need the arts. We can't we can't live without the arts. Yeah, I think the message is hopefully getting through now. But can I can I just ask, was there a backup plan? Even if you didn't really believe it in your heart of hearts, what was the backup Fleur career? Well, I mean, I did go to to uni to get a degree because my grandma kind of put pressure on all the family because she has a wall in her house. It's kind of like the wall of fame. And um she has pictures of everyone. Um, holding their degree scrolls so I'd seen that from from a young age I was like oh, okay I've got I've obviously got to join the wall so I just went to uni to do something that I enjoyed but I knew ultimately I was always going to do music but I studied history and journalism so for me the backup I guess would have been something in journalism so maybe like tv presenting or something like that so kind of still in the entertainment industry well we're glad that you stuck to your guns Fleur thank you so much for joining us today thanks for having me I told you she was full of energy and she does seem to have life sussed out too. That was Fleur East, former X Factor and I'm a Celebrity Contestant and now host of the Hits Radio Breakfast Show. You can download her podcast, The Reality of Reality TV. Thanks again to Fleur for taking the time to chat and as ever, thank you for downloading and listening to the Grazia Life Advice Podcast.
We'll see you next time when we're joined by straight-talking comedian Grace Campbell. If you do get the chance to rate and review us on your podcast player, we would love you to do that. Please share this episode with anyone you think will love it as much as you do, either on social media or face-to-face if you get the chance to see anybody. Bye for now.